Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello, and welcome to episode four of the NRL show. I'm your host, uh, Dan Frost. And as always, I'm joined by the best panel in the business, Alex and Stacey. Again, we're missing our friend, our buddy, Pierre, tonight. Um, just had a few technical difficulties on her end, so she couldn't join us, but she'll be back for our other episodes. Um, let's just quickly touch base. Obviously, it's been a difficult time for uh, for our Sydney siders. You guys live in Sydney at the moment, um, as well as our other states. Um, as a show, we just want to do a bit of a shout out, Alex, to to those that are doing a little bit tough at the moment. Yeah, no, it's definitely not not a not a fun one um, with everything that's going on. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure everyone's enjoying being around their pets, but I'm sure the pets are probably a little bit annoyed by now. Um, probably want their humans to go home or go back to work. Um, but yeah, no, hopefully everyone's staying safe and kind of doing the smart thing and and following the guidelines that we should be following. And Stacey, for for our listeners that have been uh, following the show, hopefully they continue to, you know, to tell friends about us. But I guess for us, you know, what we're trying to do is just, you know, hopefully give people a few laughs and, and just something to take their mind off things. Um, is that the way you see it? You're looking forward to, um, yeah, just entertaining people with a bit of sports chat? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think the the best thing about these lockdowns have been the Olympics, um, which I think is, is uh, it brings the entire world together. So it gives you a bit of comfort knowing that someone on the other side of the world and someone across the street is also watching the swimming at the same time you are. Um, so that's in the way that sport works like that is, is so special. Um, but after the Olympics is over, he's hoping we can get back out. And um, But in the meantime, while you're doing your daily essential exercise, give us a listen and, and have a couple of laughs. Yeah, absolutely. And no, you're exactly right. Let's, let's do another shout out to our, to our Olympians. They are absolutely doing as proud. Um, Australia continues to punch well above its weight with some amazing, um, talented athletes, obviously, but great people hearing some of the stories, seeing the families reactions and things as we continue to, um, yeah, I guess, perform and, and, and bring all these medals home. It's been outstanding. As we talk about all things sport, let's jump into our first segment tonight, The Huddle, as we take a look at some of your favourite sporting teams. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team, and we've got a point of difference about us. This is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players, champion club. I want to be king in your story. I want to know. Yeah, hello and welcome to the huddle as we pick out a team to focus in on. And guys, this week we're going to be looking at uh, the much-publicised, the West Tigers. Obviously, they've been in the media quite a lot this year as they've had their documentary series, uh, Tiger Town, uh, following uh, through their their 2021 campaign. But Alex, uh, things haven't exactly gone to plan for the West Tigers. No, I think um, it's been been a bit of a tough one the last couple of games for them. I think, you know, having... The injury that they did kind of last game was a bit of a setback for them. And, you know, when you kind of watch a team kind of go on this little bit of a downward slide, you hope someone can can step up and, and lead them, whether that's, you know, the coach or, you know, a vet on the team or even a young gun on the team. Someone just needs to step up and, and say, hey, guys, we, we're still in this. We're still able to play. Like, let's let's turn it around if, if they want to. You know, at the end of the day, I guess it comes down to mindset just as much as skill. 
Stacey, we'll start with um, some of the things that you've liked from the West team this year. Uh, has there been any sort of players that have caught your eye so far? Yeah, look, you know, generally with the Tigers, I like how scrappy they play. Um, I really like that they can they, – they have – they have moments of excellence and they have moments of greatness and a lot of their moments come through that sheer determination, which I love about the Tigers as, a, as an organisation. Um, the Leilua brothers, I love, love those guys. You know, I can, I can always, you know, have, um, have some good faith when Joey Leilua gets the ball and, and he is determined to make a change for the team. I saw that when he played for the Dragons as well. Um, so I really enjoy watching him. And, you know, the only questions I really have around at the moment is, is what they're going to do about Dane Laurie. Um, and whether Luke Brooks has the capacity to be able to lead them into something special. Alex, to, to Stacey's point, there, there has been a couple of players that have, uh, you know, done okay. You know, they've performed quite well individually. Has there been any players that, uh, that have stood out for you so far? I know there's been a couple of players that have stood out for me. I think right now they're a few and far between. I think I'm just waiting for kind of that player to step up step up for them. Um, who that player is going to be, I'm not too sure, but at this point it could be anyone's game. Yeah, Stacey, I, I think, um, you know, for me looking at this side, you know, you, you've touched on some of the players and, and Alex uh, as well, some of the players that, that have performed quite well. I think, you know, Dane Laurie has obviously been a standout for them, you know, coming in uh, from the West out of, out of the Panthers system, but obviously that injury um, has been, yeah, hugely disappointing uh, for the club. Uh, the other player that I think is probably... Um, you know, in the running to be sort of, you know, their best for the season has been Adam Dewey. Stacey, what, what, what's your thoughts on, on his season so far? I really enjoyed watching Adam Dewey. Um, he, when he played for the Bunnies, I thought that he really seemed like he was going to be something special. Um, and then when he came to the Tigers, he made a, an immediate impact, um, you know, really flipping the game, their games on their head at those really important moments. Um, obviously, I think, he was out injured for a couple of weeks um, and now that he's returned and they've put him back, he was back playing in the six, which is where I think he needs to be. Um, he's definitely a, a change maker. And, I, and I've just loved the pairings that he's come up with, um, you know, working with Nofaluma on the edge. And Stacey, not to dampen the mood, but let's take a look now at, um, I guess, some of the pressure that's facing the club, in particular Michael Maguire. What's your thoughts on the coach? You know, obviously the results have been a little bit disappointing this this year. Um, you know, where do you think some of the responsibility sits? Does it solely sit with Madge or do you think some of the players need to take some responsibility for, you know, what has been a fairly underwhelming 2021 campaign? Oh, look, to say that the Tigers have only had struggles this year is a severe understatement, I think. Um, you know, and, and looking back at the Tigers as an organisation, they're the product of an amalgamation between the West and Balmain, both two totally sociocultural different subsets of society at the time. Wests really identify with, you know, Tommy Radonikis, whereas Balmain were kind of like this upper class. You know? um, so they've, they've been sitting with who are we? Plus they're split between the two ten- the two stadiums, one out at Campbelltown, one out at Leichhardt. It, it's really hard for an organisation to have an understanding about where you want to go in the future when you still don't understand where you've been and you don't have a grasp on what identifies you um, at the moment. You know, if you're looking at some of the stats, you know, I was looking um, the other day just back on some history things and, you know, when they surveyed the, um, the fans sitting at 
uh, you know, at Leichhardt, you've got 50% of the old school jerseys and you've only got 50% of the new school jerseys. So I think that definitely says something about the organisation as a whole, that they're still so divided. And until they find someone that's going to be able to bridge that gap between those two types of fan bases and to get the support behind them and then to get the players to buy into that mentality, I think the Tigers will have a problem continually until they address that. So I don't think it's Michael Maguire's fault entirely. I think it has part and parcel to do with the organisation. Yeah, Alex, um, Yeah, what, what's your thoughts on, on Madge? Because obviously we've seen you know, this very unique documentary where we've gone behind the scenes and we've just seen exactly what we know about Madge. You know, he, he's putting absolutely everything into this club. He's highly emotional. Um, you know, you've sort of seen that in the docu- documentary. So you know, do you sort of agree with, 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 with Stacey that, you know, Madge is doing everything he can? Like where does the where does the responsibility lie for this poor season? Um, I think it's a bit of both. I think, as I said, when you kind of struggle with that identity, you know, you need to have someone step up and go, okay, this is this is what our what it is to play for this club. This is what it means to to be a tiger. So you need to have players that are willing to buy into that. And when you don't have players that buy into that, when you don't have players that trust your kind of coaching staff or the staff around you or the staff in the club, I think that's really hard for players to buy in. Because I think for from a coaching perspective as players, I think the one thing that you know, that, that I that coach struggle with is that trust of players, right? If the players don't trust your vision, if they don't trust what you're trying to do with the club, if they're not willing to buy in, then you're, you're kind of beating a dead horse, if you will, right? So you can throw in all you want. You can be as passionate as you want. You can be putting all this effort in. But if the players don't see it, if they don't agree with you, if it doesn't align for them personally, then they're not going to buy in. And you're always going to be struggling to have players that are willing to go out there and perform because, you know, then they, they're not going to perform for the the jersey, on, the badge on the front. They're going to perform for the name on the back. And at the end of the day, you want them performing as a team for the Tigers and not just for the individual accolades that they're going to get going out there. Stacey, one of the things that stands out to me when I compare their uh, player list with you know some of the top teams in the competition is that it, it, there's just a complete mismatch, and I think that comes back to some of the salary cap challenges that this club has faced. You know, if, if we look at the Tigers' list, they appear to have you know plenty of young, talented players, but I guess there's just so much expectation on them to perform because you know potentially the cap has been a little bit mismanaged in the past. Well, yeah. Imagine, uh, I mean, imagine how you'd feel being one of these young kids and, um, you know, thinking that you have to play well every single game and getting rid of, well, when Robbie Farrow retired and then obviously losing Benji as well, you know, that left Luke Brooks in that position, you know, and I think he struggled with that a lot. You know, he was able to play free. He was able to do what he does best when he was surrounded by that support network. And that's when the Tigers were playing well. Um, so I think that, you know, the salary cap issues is going to be a, a big problem. But if you look at the fact that, you know, they've got Nofaluma signed until 2025, you know, Dewey's signed until 2023, Tommy Talau's, um up next year, um, you know, and then depending on how they recruit for the rest of the season, you know, uh, they could turn it around next season. You never know. Alex, as a Knight supporter, I've been through the rebuild process. And one of the things that stood out for me when Nathan Brown was trying to sort of rebuild the club and, you know, had similar salary cap problems is he needed a circuit breaker. He needed a big signing to come in and almost, 
you know, I, I guess the Tigers find themselves in a situation where they continue to get knocked back as a club. They've been quite... Uh, they've had a lot of challenges in terms of you know convincing players to, to come and sign for the club. What's your thoughts? Do you think the Tigers need to go out and, and sign and potentially pay overs for a player just to um, yeah be that circuit breaker for the club? Um, I think that's always a always a risky one, right? Because you can go out there and you can sign this circuit breaker, and, and then it something happens, you know, they get injured or something, you know, it's something just doesn't gel. It doesn't sit right. He, he doesn't sit right with the way that the team kind of, you know, want to go about things. Um, so I think that that'll be a tough one for them. Stacey, the, the types of players that we're, uh, that we're sort of looking at, it's looking less and less likely, but a guy like Brandon Smith, you know, if you're in the Tigers position, obviously they've had salary cap challenges before, but would he be a player that you would go out and play overs to, just to try and change things a little bit at the Tigers? Well, I think, I, oh, especially someone like Brandon Smith, for sure, they, he would add a great amount to, to the side. But then they were also looking at Tavita Pangai Jr. But the problem was exactly what you said, that he, he, didn't, he wouldn't buy in. Because, you know, from, a, from an organisation standpoint, the Tigers are almost toxic right now. You know, it's, it's not a fun environment to be in. So when, when that environment is around, of course you're going to have issues recruiting top, top talent, for sure. Stacey, but spending the money on, on Brandon Smith would be a great idea. Stacey, uh, one of the recruits that they do have is um, Jackson Hastings, who will be returning uh, to the NRL after a, a very, very successful stint over in the UK. You know, Jackson was a young guy who obviously had some uh, some battles, you know, with a few different clubs when he was a young guy coming through. And he's come out and admitted that he needed time over in the UK to mature What's your expectations of Jackson coming back to the NRL? Do you think that he can be one of the top playmakers in the game? And what's your thoughts on his potential combination with Dewey next season? Yeah, look, you know, he was a he was a standout. You know, when he was playing junior rep over here, um, you know, he played for he played for the Kangaroos. You know, um, to have him have the to have him have the maturity to say I need to go and get myself out of the situation and go play somewhere else where I can I can become my own person actually speaks a lot to his character um and to have him come back um better than what he was he's hoping um you know he's he's just so versatile and he's you know his on-field abilities is going to add a lot to the Tigers um especially with his pairing with Dewey because Dewey also likes to play that free um, you know, free-flowing style of footy, which I think um, bodes really, really well with Jackson. Alex, if we look at the, if we look at some of our predictions now for the rest of the season, you know, the, the Tigers have been a bit of a punching bag in, in terms of, you know, the old gag is that you know they constantly finish ninth. You know, this is a team that would probably take that at this point in time because it certainly doesn't look like they're going to get that close to the top eight. What's your prediction for the Tigers as we get very, very close to the end of the season? I, I definitely don't see them breaking the top eight. Um, I, I think maybe they could pull out maybe another win or two, kind of come, you know, 10th maybe. I think it's probably where they end up sitting. Yeah, they, they'd probably take that at this point in time. Like you said, a, a couple more uh, wins to finish off the season, uh, and I think that would be, uh, you know, a relatively uh, good good finish to the year. Tigers fans that are tuning in right now, they want some some better news uh, for season 2022. Where do you predict this side will finish uh, next year? Uh, it's hard to say right now because, you know, um, Mark Maguire's got, you know, five games to save his job for next year. Can they 
Brooks, you know, sort out their identity crisis? Can Luke Brooks step up and lead the team and, and start making some better decisions? Um, and, you know, if we call the numbers out, you know, I'd, I'd be confident with around, you know, the 9, 10 mile. Alex, will the Tigers return to ninth place next year? Um, I think right now they've got quite a few things to kind of figure out as far as personnel goes, as far as coaching goes, as far as culture goes. And I think that does not happen overnight. Um, but sometimes it takes half a season sometimes to buy into the kind of vision you want as, as a club. So I think, you know, I don't think they're going to break the top eight in 2022. So I think take this kind of next year's rebuilding year and look kind of towards 2023 and have some high hopes there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I tend to agree. I, I think next year is going to be a bit of a PR campaign for the Tigers. You know, what you're trying to do is you're trying to attract players. You know, like, don't get me wrong. I think the Tigers, they're going to have a really hard preseason. A lot of these younger players are going to be better for a full se- for another full season uh, of rugby league. But are thinking around about that ninth or tenth, just missing out on the top eight. But, you know, that wouldn't be my concern. As long as they're going out, they're showing improvement. And then next year, if they can... You know, if they can secure a couple of big targets, I think that will be the key. Uh, I think that will be the key for the for the team. All right, guys. Now let's move through to our next segment, the match. And this is a personal favorite of mine. We're getting some really good feedback on this one from the listeners. And for those that are new to the show, the match is where we pair. Whether it's two players, two teams, two positions, they go head to head. Let's check out who will be coming up against each other this week on the match. The most anticipated match. In history, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and this week on the match, we see two rookies uh, going head-to-head. Um, yeah, two, two incredibly talented players, as we see Josh Schuster from the Manly Warringah Seagulls taking on the New Zealand Warriors' Reese Walsh. Stacey, uh, you know, Josh obviously comes from good pedigree, obviously being the nephew of uh, Johnny Schuster from uh, from from Newcastle, a former All Black as well. Um, but yeah, he certainly come in, and, and you know, every so often a team will unearth a really special rookie. He definitely appears to be that type of player for Manly. Definitely, definitely, and he seems so unassuming. Um, you know, before he before he started, uh, before he made his debut, um, you really wouldn't have picked it. But you know, he's he's just so amazing um, on defense. His tackling efficiency is around ninety five percent, which is just craziness. Um, you know, have, and then having him be so versatile to be able to play, you know, in the second row, back at half back, and then at five eight as well. He's had some really good successes, especially at five eight. So um, I've really enjoyed watching him. He's he's been a he's been a good one to to kind of keep an eye on. Alex. That's been one of the surprising things, I think, for me is that, you know, these these young halves that sort of come in, uh, typically they might get eased in off the bench, you know, play a little bit of attacking football at dummy half or, uh, but yeah, very rarely do we see a half come in and quite rightly so, you know, with, with Kieran Foran there, the experienced uh, veteran, Daly Cherry Evans being the Australian captain, you know, it's going to be very hard for him to take a starting spot, but, you know, for a half to just slip into the back row as if that's easy, um, it's been yeah quite impressive from Josh. Well, I think that shows like his mentality as well as a player. You know, some some players can really fall under that type of pressure and kind of go, "Hey, look, this is this is where we need you to, to shine." And he's been able to step up to that. Stacey, um, Kieran Foran's obviously signed his extension, but um, you know, it, it's obvious to everyone that Josh Schuster is the future um, half there at Manly. What do you think this stint in the back row will do for his career? moving forward as he eventually uh, wins that starting spot 
you know, over the next season or two. I think it's really important for him to play back there just to get a little bit perspective as well. Um, I mean, and and to have him be able to learn underneath Kieran Foran and Daily Cherry Evans is the best thing that is possible for him. And and what I love about young players is that they will just go in and play wherever they're told to play and watch and learn. I mean, and that's essentially the, the best way to breed success um, and ensure like a really good progression from these athletes. So I think him playing um, playing back there and, and having the experience that he's having right now is only going to be a good thing for him in the next couple of seasons. Alex, that's a really good point. You know, y- yourself as a coach, there, there are a lot of, you know, young athletes, young players trying to break into that starting spot. To Stacey's point, you know, Josh could have... Josh could have turned away and, and sort of, you know, uh, I guess struggled with the fact that he has these two experienced plays ahead of him. You know, it, it looks, it appears like his pathway is kind of blocked. But to Stacey's point, you know, here's a young player that has taken on the challenge and, you know, he, he's gone out and played another position. Talk to us about, I guess, the importance of young athletes kind of believing in themselves as they try and break into first grade. Well, I think kind of, you know, Stacey said, you know, have players that are willing to go out and learn. You know, I think sometimes a lot when you get young players and they come in and they go, well, I'm this position, you know, this is my position. And he could have come in and gone, no, I want, you know, I'm going to play this spot. Um, you know, and as, as you just said, like that pathway is kind of blocked by vet players that, you know, are still soaring and doing well at their jobs. So for it, them to kind of go, well, you know, these are the opportunities we have and for him to step up and go, okay, cool, I'll, I'll shift kind of maybe, you know, out of position or try a different position and to be able to excel there and to learn and be able to, you know, gain that intel and that knowledge, I think, again, talks back to his mentality. You know, you kind of come across players that go, all right, I, I'm, I'm this type of player and this is the position that I play. And if somebody comes in that's better, or there's a vet there that's still really shining, you know, if you want to be part of the team, you kind of go, okay, well, where do you need me as a rookie? You know, where can I impact you as a team? Um, and those are the players you want. When you're looking at rookies, you want rookies that are going to step in and go, hey, look, I'm buying into what you're selling. I trust you as a coach. I trust you as a, as a team, as a staff. Put me where I'm going to be beneficial to you and where, A, they're going to soar and excel, but also – you know, be important to the team and learn and just make the whole side better as a unit. And Stacey, last point on Josh Schuster. One of the things that's been quite interesting, and I guess we've seen this sort of shift over the last few years in the game, is the ability for forwards to have a little bit in their game in terms of their ability to kind of pass and and have a little bit of skill there. Obviously, with Josh's background in the halves, you know, he's bringing quite a different dynamic to that position. Is Josh sort of giving a few ideas to different coaches around the competition as to as to how you might um, you know play some of these edge back rowers into the future? Yeah, definitely. You know, he's he's digging into the line and, and he's just uh, you know he's popping it out there for Travojevic. You know, and it's just it creates such opportunity that you know when you've got a, a big boy that can play the ball. Um, as well and, and chuck some no-look passes around um, and, and give the game a little bit of that extra spice, especially when you've already got the superstars uh, out there lined up. I think it, it just adds that next element to the team and it's definitely something that a player can buy into and it's something that the rest of the team can buy into, which is the most important. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now let's move over to his competitor. So Josh Schuster will be taking on in the match uh, Reese Walsh. Alex, we'll start with you. How did the Brisbane Broncos let go of Reese Walsh? I have I have no idea. Um, I was super excited to see him kind of 
be able to play in origin. Um, and then kind of he had an injury and that didn't allow him to play. I was excited to see what he was going to do with kind of that, those vets around him and that experience around him and whether he was going to excel and what he was going to be able to do. I think he's such a fun, fun player to watch, you know, his awareness on the field and what he sees and what he reads is just, is, is great for someone who's a rookie, you know, and I think the Broncos are kind of kicking themselves a little bit in the fact that they let a player like that go, because I think he has so much potential that he hasn't even tapped into yet. Stacey, there are certain juniors that, you know, I guess even the best scouts look at and, you know, it's 50-50 as to whether they're going to, you know, go on and be successful. You know, a lot of the times you've actually got to give them their first grade debut, give them, you know, 20, 30 games before you can be sure as to whether they're going to make it. Surely when you look at a guy like Reese Walsh at the junior level, you could tell that this guy was going to be a superstar. What's your thoughts on, on, on Reese Walsh and his performances so early on in his career? I think that, I mean, he, I think if you look at the way that he grew up, you know, he's still so young, he's, he's got a baby, he's, you know, he hasn't had the best upbringing. So I love the stories of, you know, these young kids just playing footy because it's their escape and it's their release and they just generally fall in love with it. Um, and they continue that love of the game through to representative level because that's what really makes a difference. You know, it's really like, I don't, you know, watching Reese uh, Walsh on debut, it was like, who is this kid? Like, who, who, who are you with these amazing blue eyes and just, you know, part-time model, you know, with a baby, just killing it um, and then getting called up for origin? Like, what the hell, dude? Who does that? Um, but definitely you can see, you can see that talent um, from a mile away. But the, the best indication of talent is how much they love it and you can tell that he just loves to play footy. Stacey now the hard part so obviously in the match there's got to be a winner we've got two boom rookies that uh, you know Reese Walsh nearly played Origin this year and uh, you know these two players could certainly be playing rep, rep football as early as next year who are you picking here who do you think is the is the winner in the matchup? Oh. Look, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Josh. Um, you know, just just the way that the energy that he brings, and and just you know, just that X factor with being so big, and like you said, you know, providing a different element to a, an offensive style of play, um, and making the league question what they're going to do with the big boys is is a really good point. So I would like to build a, a franchise off that style of player. Man, that'd be that'd be fun to watch. Alex, who are you going in this one? I got to go different. I, I like the way that Reese Walsh plays. I, I think he plays with such finesse and such um, determination. And like I said, you know, he's such a young player, but he he looks like he's got that experience behind him. So I think he, he'll turn into a natural born leader. I'm sure of it. Um, so I think, you know, as far as kind of leaders go, you know, and that's kind of when you want to start your franchise on and someone you can trust and lead, then for me it's Reese Walsh. Yeah, and look, I'm a Knights fan, so I can't be giving too much credit away on the podcast too too manly. So I've got to go with Reese Walsh as well. Um, you know, it's great to see the Warriors, um, you know, be successful in in our competition. I think that's really really important. So I think he's going to be a really big part of that. And um, you know, you talk about marketing and, and and the face of the franchise. Literally, I think Reese Walsh has got a huge f- future in this game. Uh, to close out the show, we're going to move through now to our rapid fire segment. Let's do it. Hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and as we finish out the show, we've got our rapid fire segment. Um, so this week, we're going to ask the question, you know, one of the, the hot debates at the moment is in and around the Rugby League World Cup. 
Um, I know that we're all big advocates of the international game as we try and grow the sport. But the big news at the moment is the decision for Australia and New Zealand actually pull out of the World Cup, which has been quite devastating uh, for Rugby League World Cup organisers. Alex, we'll start with you. What's your thoughts on this decision? Um, I think that's sad. You know, I think it's it's sad to hear anybody pull out of a World Cup, you know, on a world stage. You know, I think that brings such a light to so many players. It brings such a light to so many kind of countries and, and their ability to play rugby league. So hearing that they're both kind of pulling out from it, I think was was sad, especially when some players kind of are looking forward to it or looking forward to kind of go comp- – and it's such – a pride thing to play for your country. I'm sure as, as we've seen with the Olympians that are playing right now, I'm sure there's an immense amount of pride that comes from wearing the green and gold um, or from wearing, you know, a New Zealand Jersey that to take that from some players, I think is just, it's sad for the game a little bit. And I think, you know, you would definitely have players that would go out there and absolutely, you know, hundred percent rep Australia and New Zealand to the best of their ability and give it their all. So I think to take away that opportunity for some of those players, especially some young players that might have been selected, then that, that's a bit of a tough one. Stacey, I, I don't know about you, but I was quite shocked to hear this. This seems like such a huge step and such a huge decision to make, and it, it doesn't appear to have been a, a whole lot of consultation. What's your thoughts on Australia and New Zealand, two powerhouses in the international game, pulling out of the World Cup? Yeah, look, I mean, I can I can see both sides of it. Um you know, the COVID situation is obviously um, of concern. Uh, but, I mean, if you just look at, you know, Peter Valandis and the way that he's held onto the NRL program throughout this whole process, you know, the, the NRL was the very first sport in the world to start back during COVID. Um, I just see it as a little bit of kind of a double standard to be like, okay, well, you guys can stay in a bubble for 18 months um, and move, we'll move you all around the country but you won't get to go and represent your country and enjoy a little bit of the freedom that comes with serving your country um, during, during this time. Like, I, I, it's really horrible. You know, it, it's so disappointing. But then to hear, too, that, you know, that the, the, the whole tournament might be on a, on a you know, 50-50 at the moment is also really sad. But then there's also the opportunity for, you know, the, the prospect of potentially that Indigenous team representing at the World Cup, I thought, would have been a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, it, it, it was it was a mind-blowing decision. I actually thought it was quite disgraceful, to be honest, because, you know, to Alex's point earlier, I, I think you've got to treat the players with a little bit more respect and give them the opportunity. And, and what I find really, really hard to believe is, you know, if you went and sat down, you know, the top 30 uh, Australian players, for example, and you laid out what the bubble would look like, noting all of the risks and the challenges, you know, you, you need to give them the opportunity to sort of pull out. And, and I just believe that, you know, even if Australia was to sort of send over a younger side, you know, I'm sure there, there, there's younger players, Alex, in, in their early 20s that, you know, if they were given the opportunity to, to play in the green and gold, you know, that they'd be quite willing to, you know, abide by the bubble situation and go across and, and represent their country. Uh, no, it was uh, it was definitely a surprising a pro- surprising situation. So at the moment, as it stands, no Australia, no New Zealand in the in the Rugby League World Cup. I guess my next question to round off the show: Who are we going to be supporting now in the World Cup? Uh, I'm going to go first. I think uh, I think I've got to go with Tonga. You know, watching that Test match a couple of years back, you know, where they 
they upset Australia. It was, you know, uh, I, I haven't seen an atmosphere like that before in our game. So for me, I'll be cheering uh, Tonga home in the World Cup. What about you guys, Stacey? Have you got a pick for the uh, for the World Cup now that Australia and New Zealand won't be participating? Yeah, look, um, I'm a little bit torn between uh, between Tonga and Canada, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I, I really like, I really enjoyed was, uh, you know, all the red uh, just flying down the streets. You know, there was the flags, there was the music, there was the, the cars honking. And so it was just so great to see them so happy. Um, and the energy was excellent. Um, and then I'm, I'm liking Canada as well. So Alex, yeah, obviously with Australia and New Zealand, uh, yeah, not, not participating. Who are you going to be supporting uh, in the World Cup? Um, I think we kind of look at like our league you know, teams and you kind of look at, you know, where they play the league kind of professionally around the world. I think England's got a good program there and they are the hosts. So who knows, maybe they might get a little host luck and, and take it. So interesting. I think it's going to be, you know, anyone's game. I think Tonga is going to be a great team to watch, but I don't know. I think England maybe might surprise some people. Yeah. I, I think. Uh, advantage. I, yeah. I think you're right. I think England will, uh, yeah, I, I think they'll certainly be a, be a big chance. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for. So thank you very much for uh, listening in. Uh, if this was your first show, we really appreciate your support. Please download, subscribe, jump onto our social media accounts. We have all, all of the platforms. Uh, yeah, send us through some feedback. We really, really appreciate it. Alex, Stacey, thank you very, very much. We do miss our friend Pierre, who had a few technical issues tonight, but she'll be back at our next show. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, until next time, we'll see you next week. We won't hesitate to break down the garden gate. There's not much time left today. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.